This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting Clipped, the story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor McCormick & Company, committed to enhancing people's health, their communities, and the planet. McCormick, healthy, sustainable, delicious. For more, visit mccormickcorporation.com slash futureofflavor. The air outside is getting colder and the leaves are changing. That means some of us are returning to some of our cozier hobbies. Maybe that involves curling up with a book, knitting a sweater, or revisiting your Animal Crossing island. We know it's been a while. You may be scared of facing your adorable villagers, but it's time. But a warning, that interaction may sound something like this. It's been over three years since Animal Crossing New Horizons was released. It became one of the best-selling video games of the year, selling over 42 million copies, almost four times as many as the previous edition of the game. It also renewed interest in cozy games, a genre of video games known for finding the magic in everyday tasks like gardening, tidying up, or heading on a walk. Those include the classics like Stardew Valley, Harvest Moon, and of course Animal Crossing, but newer games too, like Unpacking, Venba, and A Short Hike. They weave narrative storytelling and the aesthetics of cozy games into a neat package for players. For this edition of our Game Mode series, we dig into the rise of cozy gaming and how the industry is taking notice. First, we start by taking a closer look at the cozy gaming community. It's a space for content creators and streamers who might not always feel welcome in the video gaming world. We sit down with one of those creators after the break. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. We'll be back with all things cozy gaming in just a moment. Stay with us. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit their website to get a quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, and their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. Then just choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. Let's get into our cozy conversation by welcoming Kennedy, also known as Cozy.Games. She has over 421,000 followers on TikTok and over 195,000 on Instagram. She joins us now from Los Angeles to talk about the cozy gaming community. Kennedy, welcome to the show. 
Thank you. <laughs> also with us in studio is NPR's gaming lead, James Mastromarino. James, welcome back. Great to be here. And Nicole Carpenter is with us. She's a senior reporter at Polygon. Nicole, it's great to have you again. Hi. Very excited to get cozy. <laughs> so, Kennedy, you started making gaming content in 2019. What inspired you to start posting about games? I was in law school at the time, very stressed, um, and gaming was a escape for me. It was something that allowed me to unwind after kind of very stressful days that were all focused on, you know, law. Uh (laughs) And that was just another way to kind of take that further and connect with other people who use gaming for the same reason. And it was really nice to be able to find this really small community of gamers that engage with it very casually and in a different way than you kind of see on a more public mainstream scale. Where do you first remember hearing the term cozy gaming? I think it was it was very community based. So it was within this really small group of creators that I think there were always names for what cozy gaming is seen as now, you know, like there was casual gaming or wholesome gaming and things like that, but I think the term cozy gaming really was an organically creator-based thing, and we kind of decided, okay, this is what we're going to call ourselves, and this is what we're going to call the games that we play, and uh, yeah, it was kind of like a internal process. <laughs> well, James and Nicole, I want to get your takes on how you describe a cozy game for people who are unfamiliar. James? Yeah. So part of it is that these are games that are not going to stress you out. They rarely have failure as a system. They're often very soft, pastel, maybe autumnal, the exact sort of thing that you could curl up with a cup of tea and enjoy. Uh, And a lot of them originate in farming sims, things like Harvest Moon or vacation games like Animal Crossing, where you The whole fantasy is that you're somewhere completely away from the stresses of the busy world. Nicole, what about for you? Yeah, I think uh, that's very much correct. I would also say that sometimes cozy games are things where you're doing something that's like a little bit mundane, something like just going for a walk, a game like a short hike um, or, you know, connecting with either players online or with, you know, characters in a game. We also got this text about the appeal of cozy games. I love that there are limited choices of what to do in the game, but any choice you make can't be bad or have negative consequences. Kennedy, I'm hearing two sort of veins of thought here. One is that these games are pretty low stakes. You're just just building something or unpacking Mm -hmm. or going for a walk. But it's also about a type of escapism. Does that Mm -hmm. resonate for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of people who do play cozy games play them because it is this time where you can kind of turn in on yourself and either, you know, do this more mindless task where you can reflect and kind of have this meditative moment, or maybe you need a little you time. I have so many people comment that like, after my kids are asleep, (laughs) I go play my cozy games. And it is this sense of escapism. And it's Um, something that, again, yeah, like very low stakes, um, not too much stress, like not any added stress. It's just being able to escape to this world that is either something you, you know, wish you could be living in or just something that's totally different from your current life. Well, for many people, the challenging and, and grinding aspect of gaming is what makes gaming fun. But you've found that you can make gaming content on cozy games. You can make a living by doing this online. How does that work? Yeah, I think I think a lot of people just resonate with having this really safe, warm, 
corner of the gaming community that hasn't necessarily been um, popular before. I think the the gaming space on you know streaming platforms on any social media platform has been largely like who's the best at this shooter game you know mm-hmm. and so now um, in recent years I think people really enjoy having this um, having creators that just reflect how they play games and how they engage with games and why they do which is just having this cozy little little space to escape to. Nicole, how important is social media to the growth of the cozy gaming trend and, and that community? Oh, that community is so important. Um, like Kennedy said, that term cozy gaming grew out of these communities on social media um, who found each other and found, you know, their interest in a more gentle, softer warmer experience and and that's how these communities come together and these kind of trends move forward is because social media is where we all connect and so you can you can find uh your little group there a 2021 data leak from Twitch, the online streaming platform, showed that only three women were in the top 100 paid creators on the site. Most streaming revenue from Twitch went to men. James, how do you think the rise of cozy gaming and creators like Kennedy could change the face of gaming online? Oh, I think it absolutely is. I mean, part of it is, as Kennedy alluded to, a lot of what Twitch rewarded, the people who were kind of like the loudest and most flashy, so-called the most the the best. And I think what cozy creators do is that they just provide a space where you can just hang out and not be stressed out by somebody yelling in your ear 24 seven. Um, it's a, it's just a great thing to put on, on the background. If you need a relaxing vibe. Kennedy, we've talked a lot on the show about how online gaming communities can be toxic. What's your experience been like so far as a content creator? Yeah, I think with the cozy gaming community, it's so unique. Like, it's such an anomaly from the regular gaming community. And I I always think about how prior to getting into the social media space and really forming this, like, cozy gaming community with the other creators, it felt like gaming always felt like this community that you just weren't a part of, maybe, and and you had to accept that and you just had to play on your own and kind of see this gaming community happening in front of you. And um, you either had to kind of prove yourself to be accepted in or you had to like pretend maybe you were something that you weren't to, to be accepted in. And I think with the cozy gaming community, it's just felt so genuine and it's felt like this place where everybody can just engage with gaming how they actually want to and be themselves and feel really safe in the community that's accepting how they game um, just in its most basic form. So for people who may be looking to get into cozy gaming, what's your recommendation for a good place to start? I would say Animal Crossing is my recommendation every time for this because I think it's like the epitome of low stakes and um, just just positive and no mistake is actually a mistake and any decision you make is kind of just fine. <laughs> okay, and really quickly, a quick description yeah. of Animal Crossing. What are you doing in the game? So Animal Crossing, you come to this island and you are basically building up the island and having some villagers move in and, you know, you're decorating and there really isn't an end goal. It can go on forever and ever. 
Um, and so I think it's perfect for kind of teaching both mechanics of, ga- of the game and doing it in a low stake setting. That's Kennedy. She's a gaming content creator known online as Cozy.Games. Kennedy, thanks for speaking with us. Thanks so much. Still ahead, we speak to an indie developer behind the movement of Cozy Gaming. We'll be back in just a moment. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Integrative Therapeutics. With vitamins and supplements previously available only through practitioners, including Cortisol Manager. Unlock your best self with clinician-curated supplements from Integrative Therapeutics, now on Amazon. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people across your business, providing intelligent tools to help remove frustration and supercharge productivity. And all of that is built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Learn more at servicenow.com slash AI for people. This message comes from NPR sponsor Noom. Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, helps you build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. Check out The Noom Kitchen for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. This message comes from Wired. On Wired Politics Lab, you will be guided through the exciting, challenging, and sometimes entertaining vortex of internet extremism, conspiracies, and disinformation. Listen to Wired Politics Lab wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get back to game mode and the rise in popularity of cozy gaming. The World Economic Forum expects the gaming industry to be worth more than $320 billion by 2026, with 3.2 billion gamers worldwide as of last year. As gaming rises, so does cozy gaming. Google searches for cozy games peaked last December. In fall 2022, Netflix purchased Spryfox, the game developer behind Cozy Grove. That's a camping game and a life simulator set on a haunted island. Well, Jenny Wyndham is a video game developer and streamer. She's also a host at Wholesome Games, an organization of cozy game enthusiasts. They host an annual virtual cozy game summit called Wholesome Direct. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you. So happy to be here. So Jenny, on the Wholesome Games website, you make a distinction between cozy games and wholesome games. What's the difference? It's it's splitting hairs, maybe, as some might think, but I think it's important to distinguish between coziness, which is more of an aesthetic or is an adjective, right? And it's a subjective thing that each of us have in terms of what allows us to feel cozy. Uh, With Wholesome, we have a little bit, and Wholesome Games in particular, we wanted to be a little bit more specific and have some more intent in how we're defining it. Um, It's still quite subjective in what people feel is cozy and wholesome, but we wanted to clarify that it's not simply about being cute and soft, but uh, some of the thoughtful intent behind the content of these games. So, for example, if a game is really cute, but it has some harmful stereotypes, we wouldn't consider that wholesome. Um, similarly, 
if there's a game that does have combat in it, but perhaps it's fighting oppressors or capitalism, we say it still absolutely can be wholesome. And so there's a little bit more distinction that we wanted to provide with differentiating between wholesome and cozy. Jenny, share a couple of examples of games you platform on Wholesome Games. Uh, one of my personal favorites, uh, which you mentioned earlier in the show, was Venba. Uh, it's a game that recently came out, and it's about a, a Indian um, family that has immigrated to Canada. And so there's this beautiful story about a family growing up with this uh, immigrant experience and what that means for their identity. And so the cozy elements for me were all about cooking and what it's like to prepare food for people that you love, but the perhaps sometimes uncozy story that comes up is this feeling of um, what does what does it mean when your identity is a little bit of a struggle you're trying to find yourself so there's safety in approaching some of that discomfort that comes with wholesome games we got this email from jay who says the gliding mechanic in a short hike allows you to view the landscape from above which adds a new dimension to its exploration what are some other interesting mechanics that set some of these games apart nicole what do you think there's this game called Spiritfarer, which is described as kind of a cozy game about death. And it uses um, the mechanics of a cozy game, like tending to a garden or doing chores or um, favors for your friends to talk about some of those like harder subjects like death. And that's a really cool mechanic um, in how it directly plays into you know, both the cozy aspect of this, but also the like very, very important narrative there. Well, as you mentioned, Jenny, Venba is this cooking game that tells the story of an Indian immigrant family in Canada. There's no spoken dialogue in the game, so it's hard to play a clip of the story. But let's listen to some of the game's soundtrack, which is full of bangers. Now, Venba is an emotional game. It's got this deep story, but there's a somewhat similar game called Unpacking. It's a puzzle game where you unpack boxes and the story of the main character's life is revealed through their changing surroundings and belongings. Jenny, do you think Unpacking falls under maybe the wholesome games uh, genre, or is it more of a cozy game for you? I think it's absolutely both. Um, unpacking, uh, one of the phrases I always go back to is the magic and the mundane. Um, a lot of cozy games and wholesome games, um, they capture this magic in the daily tasks that we do. And you've touched on this already in your discussion. And I think it's really beautiful that it allows us to celebrate and find joy in the things that we do take for granted. Um, but what unpacking does beautifully is even though there's no dialogue, you spend your entire time simply unpacking items from boxes and putting them in places that that please you, essentially. There's a story that unfolds that as you unpack these items, you can learn about this person's life. And uh, I don't want to necessarily spoil it for folks mm -hmm. who haven't played it, but it ends up being quite um, touching and poignant. And so I think through that design, um, it's, it's very wholesome. It's interesting in hearing you all describe these games and hearing how I've heard gamers describe their joy of gaming. So much of it is about escapism. But Ginny, as you said, 
many of these games root you in the the everyday um, tasks that we we set for ourselves. You may not be unpacking every day, but you're certainly tidying up, or you may be cooking. James, what is it about a, a particular brand of escapism, but that actually lets us escape to what we are probably doing in our everyday lives? Yeah, idealized chores, sort yeah. of like instant gratification chores. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this because the other day I was playing Animal Crossing, and I just wanted to find an excuse to stay on the island. So I put on a podcast and started weeding which is something that one could do in one's actual life. I could have walked 10 feet out to right by my house and done that, but it was just so much more satisfying to do this in this little community I had built of animal people. Do you know why? Well, I think it triggers this the same sort of dopamine hit, right? Except that you're getting it like every second uh, with picking up a, a weed in Animal Crossing as opposed to the actual grime and dirt of getting your hands in a, a bed of flowers outside in the real world. There's something kind of ironic to that because I think a lot of these games, as Jenny said, they, they bring up the magic and the mundane by taking you out of the actual mundane you're around. But I think the best of them also get you to appreciate the world around you. Like Animal Crossing is about building community, essentially. Stardew Valley is very much the same thing. And so if you're able to kind of transfer the experience of having this uh, idealized version put in front of you, then maybe you can go out and you can talk to your neighbor that you haven't spoken with and perhaps the entire time you've lived in your apartment complex. Nicole, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, when you're playing a cozy game like this, your your problems aren't going away. But I think that it that being able to focus that effort elsewhere rather than, you know, doing the mundane things of your life, like cleaning up or whatever, you know, there's always one more thing you have to do, always something more with your own personal life that I think that that stress is seeps in really easily. And I think that having that that very intense focus on doing these things in a game helps shield you from, you know, the stressors of life that, you know, make life hard. We got this email from Zach who says, my favorite cozy game is Minecraft. It's probably not what you guys are thinking of because there are monsters and you can die. But if you have a well-established world, then you may have more resources than you know what to do with and large swaths of the map where you will essentially never encounter a monster. You can just focus on building and it is very meditative. We also heard from Martin echoing your point about weeding, James. Martin says, my daughters loved Harvest Moon, but were exceptionally reluctant to help me out in our real garden. We got this email from Michael who says, I like the idea of cozy games. How well represented are people of color? Jenny, how important is representation in the games you curate for Wholesome Games? It's absolutely critical. Um, I think one of the biggest things elements that we take into account is uh, wholesomeness or wholesome isn't uh, equate to good necessarily. Cozy doesn't equate to good. We're not trying to create value judgments, but what we do want to make sure is that people see themselves in the games that they play. We want to make sure that uh, games are a place where everyone can find solace. And so making sure that they're inclusive is a huge component of that. Um, from the developer side, one of the games that I'm creating right now is called Spirit Swap, Lo-Fi Beats to Match 3-2. And from the developer perspective, we are creating an intentionally joyful game that shows love towards our personal communities. And our team comes from a range of intersectional backgrounds. Um, 
And so we want to make sure that we create something that we see ourselves in as well as our community in. We're discussing the cozy gaming trend. So to come, how are cozy games changing the video game industry? We'll get to that after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the American Cancer Society. Every 15 seconds, someone is diagnosed with cancer. By the end of this message, you could do something about it with your donation. Donate today at cancer.org. Support for NPR and the following message come from Washington Wise. Decisions made in Washington can affect your portfolio every day. But what policy changes should investors be watching? Washington Wise is an original podcast for investors from Charles Schwab that unpacks the stories making news in Washington and how it may affect your finances and portfolio. Listen at schwab.com slash Washington Wise. Let's get back to the conversation with this message we got from one of you. For me, some of the best casual gaming that has been relaxing for me has always been from the Legend of Zelda series. Most notably, some recent titles, including Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. The ability to explore unrestricted and travel and communicate with NPC characters in the game has been really a breath of fresh air when so many video games seem to be obsessed with the hack and slash that has come to be a benchmark in the industry. Thanks for that message. Now, of the top 20 best-selling video games this year, 15 feature an element of violence. And we should say Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, can be fast-paced. It does have violence and big battles. So cozy games aren't dominating the market. But, Nicole, how do you think they're influencing the games that are? I think that um, a game like... Uh, the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, which came out uh, recently, are really great examples of the influence of cozy games. Um, Legend of Zelda has always had these cozy game elements, but I think that this open world format shows that players want choice. They This is a game that has cozy elements, and um, players can choose to to take those on if they want. And so to see, you know, one of the biggest games, the one of the most influential games um, succeeding at doing that and players really showcasing that this is something that they want is really, really huge. The success of Animal Crossing during the pandemic too is a really great example. Um, you can see the influence there and companies wanting to mimic that success. But also, you know, if we're being cynical, uh, there are ways to, you know, there's a new audience here. There's so much you can market to this audience as well. And I think that uh, companies see that. I want to talk about some other movement in the industry right now. 11 major video game studios are currently in a labor dispute with workers in the industry. That includes Activision, which produces Call of Duty, Electronic Arts, better known as EA Games, and Epic Games, which is responsible for Fortnite. That's a popular multiplayer battle game. Last month, SAG-AFTRA members authorized a strike for video game actors. Like film and TV, actors, they work primarily based on independent contracts. Nicole, why are they striking? These voice actors and video game motion capture artists are striking because they want better working conditions. They um, want some more security and with that comes better wages. But they're also looking for like really, really basic protections like having a set medic on scene when uh, motion capture 
performers are doing stunts or taking five minute breaks after an hour of voice acting. Like they're looking for these very, very basic safety measures as well. But the last thing is also very important, um, AI regulations. We saw this with the writer's strike and um, the video game performers are definitely looking to the successes there to get their own regulations um, in their contract. Well, SAG-AFTRA's last strike against the video gaming industry was in 2016, and it lasted 183 days. James, how could this strike affect the video game industry, especially considering the big year in games we've had? Well, the irony is it's probably going to affect a lot of cozy games least because many of these are small teams, indie games that might not even have voice acting. But for the big players that rely on what are now pretty bankable names in video games, people like Troy Baker uh, or um, Ashley Bailey, uh, Laura Bailey, excuse me, um, they are going to need that talent at some point in production. They can get a lot done without them, um, more than a movie studio could, for example. But at a certain point, they're going to have to come to the table. We should note that members of NPR and WAMU are part of SAG-AFTRA's media union, which is not part of the video game strike. Nicole, you've been reporting on how there's increased interest in unionizing among video game workers as a whole. What can you tell us about the studios that are unionizing and what kinds of issues workers are rallying behind? Yeah, this past month has been especially huge for the union movement because workers are rallying around each other with regard to layoffs in the video game industry. Um, Thousands of jobs have been lost this year in the video game industry, and workers are looking for protections there. Um, A union won't be able to prevent layoffs, but it can give workers uh, that sort of... Uh, a safety net protections with regard to severance packages and whatnot. And that's a really huge issue. Um, Workers also are looking for, you know, remote work opportunities. They're looking for better pay and they're looking for protections around um, practices like crunch, which is really excessive work on, you know, a large scale uh, and really a health and safety issue for workers as well. And um, we're seeing a lot of movement there globally. Um, it's not only in the United States and Canada, but um, recently a Polish company is uh, announced that they're, they're starting efforts to unionize as well. I'm curious, Ginny, as someone who's very plugged into the cozy gaming community, what role do the different communities that form in gaming play in either advocating for the people who are creating the video games uh, they enjoy they enjoy playing, being perhaps part of those conversations. Where do the communities come in? What's been really exciting to see is that the communities around many of, and I would say maybe most, cozy games um, are quite supportive of the people who make the games. And so what's been heartening is even something as small as teams announcing a delay on their game or announcing that they need to take some vacation time. Uh, historically, especially with larger studios, there there's uh, lots of examples of backlash or anger that gamer uh, players of games can like show on these teams. What's been really neat is that in these smaller, uh, cozier communities, they are almost the reverse, where they encourage the developers to take a break, to take care of themselves. And even, you know, I haven't directly seen conversations of communities encouraging their studios to unionize, but there's definitely a positive sentiment about developers doing what they need to make sure they're taking care of themselves. 
James, what kind of devices do you need to get into Cozy Games? Well, the Switch is probably the most accessible entry point for most people. Um, But you can play these games on your phone. In fact, Apple Arcade has plenty of them, from Wildflowers to Cozy Grove, which we've discussed. There's even a mobile version of Stardew Valley, which is, again, this really deep farming simulator community builder. Uh, And then if you have a laptop, I mean, Xbox Game Pass has plenty. There's plenty that you can buy on Steam. And thankfully, many of them are rather cheap, 10 to $30. And we mentioned that Netflix acquired Spry Fox last year. That's the developer behind Cozy Grove, a popular camping life simulator game. One of the biggest cozy games of the last year was Disney Dreamlight Valley, an adventure game where you can explore and interact with Disney characters. Jenny, how do you react to the ways larger companies are paying attention to the cozy gaming world? It's sort of a mixed bag, to be honest. I feel like it's really exciting to see there be more options for players. I think uh, any excitement over video games, I'm always happy to encourage and like be celebratory about. Uh, I do get a bit apprehensive and sort of nervous because... As we said earlier, when you look at it, it's a whole new marketing segment to explore. It's a whole new way to uh, charge folks um, to access these types of experiences. And so I think I get apprehensive when companies jump on to coziness for coziness's sake Mm. type of marketing without some of that intention that we've talked about before. Animal Crossing came out during the pandemic stay-at-home orders, which probably help contribute to its success. James, when you look at the current rise of cozy gaming, what do you think is going on in our sort of collective cultural experience or thinking? Uh, Well, I'm a news producer. That's my other hat at NPR. And uh, this morning, I had an incredibly stressful time navigating uh, what's going on in other parts of the world right now, what's going on in our government, how there's a climate catastrophe at our doorstep. So I don't think it's an accident that games that make you feel comfortable, that present a world where people are friendly, where everyone's love language is gift giving, that those are popular. Uh, And I it's only natural that big companies would eventually get involved. The only irony is a lot of these games are so cozy because they're so small. So I think many of them are just going to have to fund small developers um, like Microsoft is doing with Xbox Game Pass, not to keep harping on that, but that is part of their strategy. Ginny, as we wrap up here, what do you hope the video game industry as a whole takes away from the popularity of cozy gaming? I think it's it's a tie off of what Nicole was saying about hope. I think it's really important to remember that it's sometimes radical to make hopeful, joyful art. And that's what a lot of these games represent. Um, I think as an industry, a lot of times the largest games, the games that often get the most attention tend to be quite grim. Um, and while sometimes that can definitely fit the mood, you want different, you know, different foods at, on different days for your palate. Uh, it's important to remember that these games are they are significant and they're valuable, and that we should absolutely celebrate them and encourage them and encourage people to make them. That's Jenny Wyndham. She's a video game developer and streamer. She's also a host at Wholesome Games. That's an organization of cozy game enthusiasts that hosts an annual virtual cozy game summit called Wholesome Direct. Also with us, James Mastro Marino. He's NPR's gaming lead. And Nicole Carpenter, senior reporter at Polygon. Jenny, Nicole, James, thanks for speaking with us. Today's producer was Arfi Getty. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. 
I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again tomorrow. This is 1A. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Your business faces specific challenges and unique opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, custom-tailored to your short- and long-term goals. Backed by the expertise, strategy, and resources of a top-10 commercial bank, a dedicated team works with you to support your success and help achieve your goals. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial. Drake and Kendrick Lamar have been lobbing some serious accusations at each other. You've probably heard the diss tracks and wondered, what's just a low blow and what's actually criminal? I'm Brittany Luce, host of It's Been a Minute from NPR, and I'm getting into what's art and what's worthy of criminal investigation and who those accusations hurt the most on It's Been a Minute from NPR.